welcome to Myth and Magic for Modern Times, where we're exploring personal and collective stories, myths, and archetypes, and the ways in which they've shaped us and the world we live in. I'm your host, Jessica of Jay and Juniper, like the bird and the plant. I am a healer and a priestess, and I created this podcast to shine a light into the subconscious, to help widen that societal lens of which narratives can be given space and value, and to facilitate evolution and empowerment in any way that I can. I so appreciate you joining me here for this, and I really hope you find something in here that's interesting, illuminating, entertaining, something that resonates with you. Now, on with the show. disclosure before we begin the podcast, Kathleen and I are discussing the pagan Celtic holiday spelt as I-M-B-O-L-C on February 1st, and I am pronouncing it phonetically as Imbolc, and she is pronouncing it correctly as Imbolc, or rather she's pronouncing it in the way that is largely considered to be the most accurate. By the end of this podcast, I have realized the error of my ways, and I have switched to pronouncing it as Imbolc. And I hope that this little disclaimer explains why there was the back and forth and forestalls any confusion. You learn something new every day. Now, without further ado. So, um, hello everyone listening out there. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jessica, your host, and I'm here with Kathleen, Daughter of Wands on Instagram, uh, the web, daughterofwands.com. She's got a Patreon. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Jess. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. So Kathleen is a tarot reader um, and also an astrologer and kind of a finder and keeper of myths and stories, particularly pre-patriarchal ones. So I'm so excited to have you, Kathleen, on um, Myth and Magic for Modern Times. Thank um, you. That, so, what a lovely introduction. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, we met when I was on a big road trip last year, driving around, kind of practicing my own magic and figuring out where I was going to be. And the universe just brought us together in Philly um, back and I w- was trying to remember when this was because I remember, I do remember that there were cherry blossoms yeah. blooming all over Philly and they just came out like yesterday here in San oh, Francisco. Cool. So it hasn't been a full no. year, but it kind of energetically <laughs> feels like we're coming back around. That's cool. Um, so speaking of cherry blossoms and the spring, this Friday is February 1st, which is the holy day, the cross quarter day of in bulk spring returning of renewal um and of love love opening up Mm. and coming back in um so i thought we should talk about romance and love in some old stories that you could find for us yeah i'd love to um i know i had mentioned before we recorded that i had found one and then i wasn't sure about it and then i found another one so I think, uh, you know, I'll still share the first one because it still has to do with love. Um, And I actually used it in part of my my maid of honor speech at my sister's wedding um, on the equinox this year. So it (laughs) (laughs) Um, of course, I had to put something like that in a maid of honor speech. So, of course, (laughs) yes, 
And even even though um, her wedding was on the first day of Libra season, this the fall equinox, um, you know, it's not too far of a disassociation with, um, you know, Imolk coming up with the another part on the wheel of the year um, with Imolk, which is a tra- more of a transitional um, Sabbath mm-hmm. in between the seasons. So it still it still works. It still makes sense. So it has to. Absolutely. Yeah. So it has to do with the idea that the before in ancient times, before we really had gods and goddesses, but the moon and the sun were the first gods and goddesses. And that the, you know, as many of us may be familiar with the idea that the, the sun was looked at as um, divine masculine and the, the moon was the great mother the divine feminine and the goddess. And that was it. That's what us humans had um, as larger celestial representations of life and death and cycles and rebirth. And (laughs) I hadn't thought about the time before gods and goddesses. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm taking it back way pre-patriarchal. Way back. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is the idea that, um, in our Paleolithic and Neolithic origins as humans, um, we really were matriarchal and really were um, really working still with in a monotheistic um, ways with just perhaps the Earth Mother or the the Earth uh, the Mother Earth. But um, it's the idea that you know astrology and astronomy is just as old as humans in the sense of even just looking at the moon. And following her cycles and the sun's cycles, you know, um, just with like notches on a stick on bones, you know, and, uh, you know, it's this idea of following the rhythm of the earth. And so to kind of come back to the idea of the myth here, that the sun and the moon were lovers. They were um, the masculine aspect and the feminine within us. And so as we think of it, you know, in a simple way, we know that the, 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 you know, maybe not at the time that they didn't know, but we know now that the moon revolves around the earth and thus the earth and the moon together revolve around the sun. And so it's this idea in the cycles that the, the moon and the sun are lovers and each, each month, each moon, <laughs> based on the lunar cycle (laughs) that these lovers have to um, come fall, fall apart, not fall apart, but move apart um, further away from one another. And then the moon comes closer to her lover in the sun at the end of the cycle and they embrace and kiss, so to speak in a new moon in a new cycle. Um, And when I use that, I, (laughs) <laughs> it's as simple as that and when when i u- when i yeah. use that in my sister's um maid of honor speech it just so happened to be the equinox where i shared that you know at this point in time the moon and the sun were equal in the sky and so today oh. you two are equal in in your love for one another mm-hmm. stuff like that you know Oh, well, how perfect for the Xbox and the first day of Libra season. Exactly, yeah. So I had to, I had to put that in. <laughs> oh, 
perfect. I love the sense of freedom in that story, how the time apart is built into the relationship and they're still lovers, but they go out and do their own thing. Yeah. And it, and I guess at the full moon, they'd be at opposition to each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. Maybe getting in a fight and then they come <laughs> back around and make up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so the cycles of, um, of life and relationship are there in that versus the patriarchal idea that like you meet and then it's the happiest day of your life. And then who knows what happens after that? Right. It's just monotony. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I also love about the full moon aspect when the, those lovers are at the furthest away from each other is that the, the idea of in relationship, like you just mentioned that they are in relationship here and maybe it's it's total total freedom here, but maybe it's also the idea of um, literally kind of mirroring one another. Because if we think about it, the moon doesn't actually have a light of her own, even though she's called a luminary. She's con- completely mm-hmm. illuminated by the sun. And so, oh. you know, if you think about it, right, like, it's yeah. totally dark. I like that. <laughs> So I like that. I like that better than they're getting in a fight. <laughs> so in this case, when she's when they're furthest apart, but it's the full moon, she's fully illuminated by her strength mm-hmm. of of the uh, being illuminated by the sun. Um, they're it's in this case that they're even though they're furthest apart physically, they're still fully both illuminated in this sense. They're both fully in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, when they come closer to one another, it's a whole new cycle. They get to embrace. And um, it, on many cases in Earth, on Earth, down all the way on Earth, you know, new new cycles are physically happening, too, with like the planting season and the tides and all of that stuff. And also within our own physical bodies as well, because, you know, we're also made of like 70 percent water. So <laughs> we're totally affected yeah. by the moon and her tides as well. So. Yeah. So that's yeah. one little story that I got, but I do have another one. I, I, I want to say before you begin that one, I also like the idea of um, that polarization being that far apart, being as far apart as you can, and then really seeing each other both mm-hmm. um, for what you are and then com- kind of coming back around. And sometimes you, I think you do need a little distance at times oh, yeah. within a relationship to see what um what's there totally right? totally yes cool <laughs> all right what is what story what what else have you got for so, us so keeping in the um the celtic wheel of the year with imolk happening in a few days um i also have another um celtic uh pagan um myth or legend that actually describes um and is their story for the origins of yule actually so we're, we're still in winter season, you know, but we're at the start of winter now. We're about, you know, six weeks from Imolk at this point. But so it's the idea of if anyone has ever heard of it, um, it's about the goddess, maiden mother crone, um, triple moon goddess of Eru. And so the story goes here is that Yule, according to Celtic pagan lore, is the time when the sun god and their name for him was Luch. It's it's kind of hard to say, but it's I think <laughs> it's pronounced Luch. 
So because that that name actually refers to the other Sabbath on the other end of the wheel of the year, which is uh, Lunasa, which is um, Lamas or August 1st. Mm-hmm. So either way, it's it's Lug. So Lug, <laughs> yeah, right. So the, their sun god Lug is it's the idea of him being of how he becomes reborn and how in the win- the winter solstice or Yule, the first day of Yule, is um, actually really a celebration of the return of the sun. But we have to go through this process of death and rebirth first, and so it's this really beautiful connection to his wife, the moon, or really, mm-hmm. but really she's actually, her name was Eru. And so she's actually described by later on in the legend as a hag, kind of more like the crone aspect of the triple, triple goddess. But mm-hmm. through this process, she, um, they're lovers, but they also, she also gives birth to him. So here's how, here's, how this crazy story happens um (laughs) eru by the way is goes through all of the transformations of womanhood made in mother crone and also um in the depiction of what she looks like in her outer appearance and her every feature and every part of her character is described as and literally is the personification of Ireland herself. So she is like oh. physically Ireland itself, um, like wow. the landscape. Um, and I, I love that idea. And she's kind of known in Celtic lore as the sovereignty of Ireland. So I just love that. But yeah, me too. So um, in these legends, um, the sun god look takes his bride in the form of the maiden goddess and this is Eru as maiden um and as they're kind of looking out upon their land and seeing the suffering of all of their people they grow worried and concerned so the summer high holy day like I said Lunasa named after him because he's the sun is celebrated um is really celebrated by many traditions and so and so this is the idea of uh winter by the way of course the people are suffering during winter winter and not summer but so what he does and because he's totally distressed that his people are suffering and starving he decides to sacrifice his own life in order to save his suffering people and in doing so his blood is kind of spread across this this is not that (laughs) romantic but (laughs) in doing so but many many stories are messy in this way i guess in doing so his blood is kind of spread across the fields to ensure the fertility um, and a a more of a bountiful harvest um, later on. And so as the harvests are kind of brought in and, or I guess actually I should say that this is, this actually is during the summer and during that's where the name Lunasa comes from him sacrificing himself. So that's right. It's not during winter. I apologize. So as (laughs) And I had also associated um, the so- winter solstice with the death. Oh, actually, no, that's the rebirth. It is the rebirth. And I am getting to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. no, no. Um, <laughs> Not spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that many, many traditions um, in this region of Europe 
um, that we're familiar with today, because many, many of us who are, you know, are American, I should say, um, with like, uh, European roots, um, have ancestry, many people I know, at least have ancestry in, in um, Ireland and all of that stuff. So we, we tend to kind of associate some of this, but it's interesting that in, um, in the, the summer aspect in the summer solstice and with Lunasa specifically August 1st, um, it's uh, the celebra- it's more of the celebration of the coming of the dark where he, in this case, mm-hmm. that's how they describe it, where he sac- the sun sacrifices himself. And the winter solstice is about the rebirth of the sun again. So it's kind of contrary to belief because we're kind of, you know, <laughs> moving into a dark period of time this, this year, but really, we're not in the sense of like what's physically happening with the earth I think I think it's just right. something like that we tend to forget really but I digress <laughs> so you know uh as the harvesters are kind of being brought in after the sacrificial blood from the god himself winter kind of begins to cover the land and they finally have enough enough to feed the people because thanks thanks to uh the god look so mm-hmm. the great mother, or at this point, um, Eru, she's, he, he marries her when she's a maiden and she's kind of growing into the mother aspect now. And so it's around this time when the winter solstice comes around that she's already um, grown into the mother aspect. She decides to resurrect her lover Luck from the ground, raising him up into the dark sky and returns him as the sun born back into the universe into the sky the effort that it took her to raise him into the sky causes eru to grow old as she shared her knowledge with the Mm -hmm. god to teach him all that he needed to know to govern over his people once more literally like kind of raising him again so bestowing she kind of grows into the crone through this rebirth period and kind of gives all of her crone knowledge to her lover once more and brings the cycle back to the beginning of the legend six months later when he decides to during summer yet again sacrifice himself and she's all this whole time still going through this process of made mother crone to bring him back and to help her people um so she so so she is actually she goes from crone back to mm-hmm. the end I wonder where this would fall on the wheel of the year um, because there are the four port parts. There's the quarters. Yeah. And um, have you heard anything around of the conversation around the fourth goddess? Um, I don't. I don't know. Are you referring to like Hecate or of? Um, so there's there's the triple goddess, mother, maiden, mm-hmm. crone. And there is a conversation that there was a fourth goddess um, because there are four phases of the moon and there are four quarters to the year. Um, and we have forgotten or um, lost her in some way. And she is the medicine woman and the wild woman. Oh, I haven't heard that. I, I, I love that. Yeah. And that because she is, she's um, in between mother and crone and she has her, own identity and um is a healer and is wild and um it's just kind of 
I guess, exploring um, and then bringing knowledge back. And then she settles into her crone phase in her old age. Um, this is from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, one idea is that that identity could have um, deliberately been lost because it has the most freedom of the three. <laughs> yeah. <of> the four. <laughs> that makes sense. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it, was never there to begin with yeah. and it's um an archetype that's rising anew i love that that's amazing cool. thank you for sharing yeah, was... that wow you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're i think we're in winter now and iru is that yeah. her name ha- is now a crone mm-hmm. because she's given all of her power to single-handedly bring the sun back um, yeah the sun we'll just call him the sun uh-huh. back. <laughs> Yeah. So where does that bring us around this time of year? What's happening in their love story at Imbolc? Um, you know what? Imbolc is, I, I kind of totally envision this as even though this, this myth really actually describes the 12 days of Yule. Um, and and the, those 12 mm-hmm. days are when she's kind of raising him. Um, when she's kind of transferring her crone wisdom at that point, but she hasn't yet rebirthed herself into maiden. I feel like that. I feel like Imolk makes total sense as her transformation back into the portal of maiden all over again, because if you think about mm-hmm. it, Imolk is the um, the portal opening us up to getting us ready for the spring equinox a month later. So, mm-hmm. which is like on the zodiacal wheel of the year is also the beginning of the, the, the year, so to speak, actually more of like the new year in the sense of it's spring, earth is coming back to itself, a new cycle is starting, it's airy season. So, you know, at this point, it feels very much like she's transitioning, ending the cycle and moving into um, waking back up as uh, the maiden. And it is the coldest time of year, mm-hmm. so she's kind of hibernating, now, yeah, cocooning. I feel getting ready. It does feel like I'm. I would assume after going through all of that effort, um, becoming the crone so quickly, that she probably <laughs> needs to take a month long nap and then be wo- <laughs> be woken up and be refreshed and uh, a new form, a new identity taking place. It makes sense. <laughs> I know, I know I need that beauty sleep. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. And yeah, like I said, that um, describes um, such a lovely picture. Um, you know, those, those, the more um, faster parts of the story where she's doing all of the, so to speak heavy lifting of bringing him back up like I say describe Mm -hmm. the actual 12 days of Yule and so um, those 12 days are actually broken up into four sets of three days and so traditionally the first three days um, is where the in, in, in terms of Celtic pagan lore the first three days we would celebrate the maiden goddess the next three days we'd celebrate the mother Mm -hmm. And those, ne- those second set of three days d- during the mother celebration is also when, like, Christmas is, mm. which actually kind of made sense. I, I, was, I was trying to pay attention to it this past holiday season, and it was really interesting 
if you pay attention to it, maybe next year, those yeah. from the summer solstice, I mean, I'm sorry, from the winter solstice on like the 21st and each set of three days after that, there's, there is a, there is a subtle transition through each of those days. There's a subtle theme if you, if you pay attention to it next time. Um, and then after that, you know, the next three days are actually the rebirth of the God of love. Um, and then the last three days are the crone, the crone celebration when it's New Year's. So it's, it's interesting. I like to think of it like oh, yeah. the 29th to the third, the January 1st is the crone celebration time. And then like we, after that, we need our, we don't, we all need our beauty sleep on January, yeah. on January 2nd. <laughs> so well said <laughs> oh that's really interesting so it's this epic love story between these same two people or two characters that just keeps going around um year in and year out and um involves her him so they kind of culminate when in the mother it does she in some i've heard some stories where she actually gives birth mm. to yep the sun yeah i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot there's many many different throughout time and cultures um renditions of the same kind of story and even if we connect that back to my first story with the with the moon and the sun even though eru is technically like not quite the moon she's more she's more like mother earth so to speak in this story Mm -hmm. but it's still the same idea in ancient egypt in ancient you know like in Mm -hmm. so many different um cultures throughout time they're either lovers or they're or she's his mother but in most cases they're actually both in the sense of the the earth came first the mother earth came first or the moon came first and she gave birth to the sun or to the sky and then they were lovers in order to create the next in order to create people or in order to create animals and stuff Mm -hmm. like that that's usually in many different origin or theogony stories um so it's no surprise that we've heard both and they're they're it's who's to say which ones i mean they're they're both right you know they're both part of humankind's um history in terms of how we associate with our own origins and divinity with celestial things going up around us in the sky and on earth yeah. And I I was drawn to the um the idea of the sacrifice of the king, which yeah. is um yeah. such a big uh I guess archetype or theme um that of the divine masculine being the sacrifice for people and mm-hmm. then the um but then it's the it's the divine feminine that brings him back and that's the yeah. um, an aspect that I think is been is missing from patriarchal cultures and myths yeah because if you think about it that's where kind of like all of the creative power comes from and that's that's probably pretty scary to men of early times who wanted to enforce their power um because (laughs) women women actually had literal creative power that men could never have um you know, at least that's what is probably the psychology um, of that time. So, yeah, 
it makes it makes sense too because we're our us as humans we're the ones kind of making up not making up but we're the ones kind of um innovating these stories and of course they're mirrors to what we physically see around us and even in in those paleolithic um, paleolithic times where i talked about at the beginning with like astrology astrology actually being thirty two thousand years old um you know at that time it was actually pretty unknown that men were half of the creative force that created life where they at this time uh-huh. when they were cre- when they were creating these myths around the moon and the sun and the woman and the moon or the the earth mother giving birth out of nowhere to yeah. this you know it's it's the idea that actually early humans actually really did think and believe that women specifically only started life on their own they actually didn't know until much later that it was because they joined forces with the man and created life so it also makes sense that in many of our early stories that the earth or the moon kind of has this immaculate conception is because they actually thought that in reality too that they didn't realize until much later that you know sperm is needed yeah (laughs) to create life too that's fascinating and I've never heard that or thought about that that's really interesting yeah Um, which is why you know much later and which is why you know um there there they were a matriarchal culture is because they saw Mm -hmm. and appreciated the power in that you know Mm -hmm. and it makes sense and then of course much later when men you know realize that maybe that's not the case and all of this stuff that um that that you know or maybe around the same time who knows because that it's like all pre prehistorical literally we don't have a written record of it so we we it's really hard to it's impossible to say we'll we'll never know that probably but unless we invent a time machine (laughs) but yeah um so it's impossible to really say but it's it's really interesting to think about when that started to shift around like did they still believe that women only had power and that's when they you know, changed uh, and inserted their power over women because they were, began to be scared of it or, um, and threatened by it. Um, I'm sure it's all of, I'm sure it's all of the stories. I'm sure it's many different things, but I'm sure that probably has a big part to do with it. Yeah. I have also often wondered how and why the patriarchy began and, um, got to this, the point that it did, um, And I having that's a really interesting key of not realizing men's value and then them kind of realizing it themselves and then things, I guess, possibly swinging to the other side of the pendulum, Mm -hmm. um, which is where we've been. So (laughs) where we've been since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there do you have resources that you would recommend for looking into more of these things other than your own Patreon, of course, and your Instagram. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been, um, in terms of myth involving astrological insights and stuff like that. One of my favorite resources is Demetra George, who is an, a Hellenistic, uh, astrologer. Um, I love her work and, um, I highly recommend it. Um, she's got many books out, but one, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, I would totally recommend her book, Mysteries of the Dark Moon, The Healing Power of the Dark Goddess. 
And I'm sure what you said about about there being a fourth goddess, uh, a fourth aspect of mm-hmm. is probably in there somewhere. But I'm one of those people who kind of flip through books until I find what I'm looking for. And, you know, <laughs> it's hard to move through like a research book front to back for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would recommend that. So the other book I recommend is called The Goddess Within, A Guide to the Eternal Myths That Shape Women's Lives by Jennifer Barker Wolger and her husband, Roger Wolger. Um, that's a really interesting book that's, that is actually connected to Greek myth, but they go through each of the goddesses of Greek myth in psychological profile and um, apply it to modern women. It's really fascinating. And it, going through this book actually gave me lots of historical insight when I was doing my research on Hera during Libra season this past year. Um, and that's where I kind of came to realize that um, through that book, I realized that when patri- the patriarchy, in a sense, quote unquote, literally came in and conquered pre-patriarchal Greece, is that all of the Greek goddesses of that time um, that we, you know, you know, that we later on would celebrate as Hera and Aphrodite and Athena were all were all mother earth goddesses before patriarchy came in and they decided to over time you know mel- just like kind of christianity does later is that they mm-hmm. melded the two in order to keep people there and not revolt and they melded mm-hmm. the two and so hera instead of being the the earth mother the 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 only goddess that was worshipped is now married to zeus which was their god so th- mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see and doing that type of research to literally see the physical um time shift of how it kind of happened in sense of more stuff like that so that's a fascinating book cool do you have any plans for Imolk? um well, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a newsletter. I have a, a tarot spread for Imolk that I created yesterday. I'm, I'm going to set that up and probably today and get that done with. But I mean, personally, um, I don't know. I'm going to do something, but mm-hmm. I'm probably, I, I, I actually am pretty, pretty easygoing when it comes to like my own personal um, celebrations like in my home and how I celebrate the Sabbaths and stuff yeah. like that and I'm pretty low-key pretty casual I tend not to do too much big ritual things just because um, I don't have a really good reason why I, I, I'm just a, I'm, a, I'm an easy practical I'm a practical witch too so I, I like yeah. to kind of keep things big when I feel that there needs to be a bigger thing, then I absolutely will give myself permission to do that. This past summer, I did so many big things that now I feel like this winter, I, I kind of like to keep it low key a little bit, but um, yeah. <laughs> so I'll probably just light a lot of candles and pull some tarot cards and it might be as simple as that, but um, oh, lovely. how about you? Um, well, I have a friend coming into town, which is great. And she is also a low key person to hang out with um and so we'll probably also chill and pull some cards um and yeah I I I definitely like to take a moment and recognize the movement that's happening and pull some cards around it and light a candle and sometimes give an offering but my rituals are pretty low-key too yeah 
Um, yeah, that sounds really nice, though. Yeah, thanks. All right, well, I'll be looking forward to seeing what you've got for us on your feed, Daughter of Wands. Thanks for sharing all these myths with us. You're so welcome. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) Yeah, and thank you to all of those who've been listening, and have a happy emulk. Happy emulk. Yay. so much for joining me on the show if you'd like to work with me learn more about me be on the show yourself you can find me online and on instagram as j and juniper spelled j-a-y-a-n-d-j-u-n-i-p-e-r hope to see you there take care bye